Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Sadler's newest catechetical series, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros, which partners with families to help them play an active and meaningful role in their child's faith formation. Learn more at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. Happy to be here and to do this show, which is on providing a meaningful adult faith formation. Uh, adult faith formation, we'll begin with this way, is something that is so sorely needed uh, in our parishes, in our dioceses, and it's also a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, parish leadership trying to figure out what's the best way to engage adults. And of course, there is really no uh, single solution uh, because adult life, adult living, adult experience uh, is very subjective and individual. Um, we all have different you know, paths we take in life. Our roads are, are quite different sometimes. Um, one might be an expressway, another might be a detour or a bit of a scenic trip or something for some. Uh, so what do we do ministry-wise? That's a big challenge, you know, to provide a variety of experiences. Also challenges in terms of resourcing and supporting that kind of a ministry. Uh, it takes a team always. You know, we talk about it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a team or a village to, to help form adults as well. Um, we're also going to talk about the role of God's word and small group sharing. Uh, we really can't do enough uh, getting into the Bible, enough sharing uh, God's word with one another, uh, doing some serious Bible reflection and study, and uh, likewise, some very honest sharing about uh, what we're hearing and understanding in God's word. And then lastly, we'll talk a little bit about intergenerational catechesis, a model that's been around for some decades now. Um, is it working? How is it working? Uh, that sort of a thing. So why don't we just get going here, again, talking more about the uh, meeting adults sort of where they are and the challenges of adult faith formation today. I think right off the bat, busyness comes to mind. Um, the adults are pretty busy. Now, whether adults are busier uh, in 2022 than they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, I can't say. Um, I will say in my family, so I'm a husband and father of six we have four kids in Catholic school, uh, three will be going back to elementary school, and one to high school. Um, actually, we're going to have six kids in Catholic school. I forgot our, pre our, our twins, who are going to be four, are uh, starting Catholic preschool this year. So everybody in Catholic school, so that's good. Um, and then my wife, Stacy, she is very busy doing her own kind of ministry with women. She's a, she loves to garden. Uh, and she's thinking down the road about homeschooling herself. So there's going to be some busyness there, not to mention just the, what she does as a mother, uh, which is makes her exponentially busy at times. Um, myself working for Sadler, you know, keeps, keeps me busy uh, writing books on the side as well. Um, my deacon duties. So we're busy in those particular ways. Other families are busy in different ways. You know, it's just how do we kind of, encourage and inspire and compel, uh, not coerce, and that's really important, compel uh, adults to think about faith and the role it plays in their life. And that, that when you take time out to engage with your faith, that affects 
everything else you're doing in a positive way. It really does. And I think that's the, that's the, you know, for lack of a better term, that's the selling point uh, for, for parish leadership, for adult faith formation coordinators, for diocesan leadership that are trying to encourage adults. We've got to talk about the so what question. What's the benefit of engaging in a Bible study as an adult or being part of a small faith sharing group or doing a service activity alone or with other adults? What does that do for me? And it sounds kind of self-centered perhaps, but it's important to be able to answer that question because faith is for ourselves as much as faith transforms us for others. And I, and I, I can't reiterate that enough. Um, there is a me component to faith. You know, what does this do for me? How does this change me? Um, what does this make me? So, and we'd say, well, it makes you a disciple. And then there's the outward sort of social component. What do I do with this faith for others? Um, so the me and the thou, as the philosopher Martin Buber would say, uh, or we can just say, you know, us and them, we together, how does faith form us? So what are the, so besides busyness, and maybe messaging needs to be a little more directed again to answering the so what question, why do these things as adults, why gather a parish, why go online for a faith formation class or a Bible study or whatever it is. Um, maybe we also need to talk about kind of apathy, uh, the idea that that faith really should just be something that's compartmentalized and privatized, that, that faith is, and I think this is a mindset of a number of adult Catholics, that they're good Catholics, you know, they, 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 they believe in God, they want to listen to the church, and, and they want to show up at Mass, but they do see faith as something that sort of lives on the periphery of their lives. And again, part of the response to that is messaging and evidence that if you make faith more of a central component of your life, it affects everything else you're doing, your work, your relationships, your parenting, uh, whatever else, uh, in positive ways. But, you know, that aside, how do we, how do we engage somebody who, who really sees faith as something that should be on the periphery? Um, and I think that that's something that we haven't quite figured out yet. And it's something that Francis, Pope Francis has called us to do now since the beginning of his pontificate to go out to the periphery and to the margins and to, to preach the good news. Uh, we, I think sometimes we, we think that the margins of society are something out there, far away from me and, and far away from my family or my home or whatever it is. It's out there or it's other, it's other people, you know, it's not me. But the reality is, for every single one of us, there are times in our life where we put, intentionally or not, faith on the margins. <clears throat> so that maybe so we can pursue other things. Maybe we see faith as more of a distraction. Or maybe we see it as kind of like a nice insurance policy. Now, if I just show up to Mass on Sundays, I'm kind of covering my bases and I think I'm good with God so I can get on with my life the other six days of the week, uh, whatever it is. So we, we have all these different I ideas out there that adults have about the role of their faith. Um, similarly, a very common one is faith is really important uh, at those sacramental touch points. So we have a lot of parents who hardly ever go to church, but then when they have a child, they definitely want that child baptized, but then they're not going to go to church as a family very much. Or, you know, similarly with first communion or confirmation, 
on the other side uh, of the of the life spectrum, then we have you know we don't see a couple, and then they show up all of a sudden from for uh, marriage, uh, the sacrament of marriage. So when the, the the fact is that these things happen, and we should not look down on adults who really sort of. I wouldn't even say that they restrict their vision of faith, but it just is what it is. And they see their faith connected with those sacramental touch points of their lives. And so that's really the only times they get very serious and vigilant about their faith at a baptism, at a confirmation, at a first communion, first confession, that kind of a thing. Um, and this is really a message. And, and I talked about this on Catechist Stream with my co-host, Steve Bosfer. This was a recent show uh, of ours. So go check it out on Catechist Stream, talking to parents um, uh, at the beginning of the RE year. Some questions you can ask them, like, why are you here? Where is the faith in your life? You know, and, and in your life, not just in your child's life. <clears throat> it's that we get so defensive as parish leaders, catechetical leaders, adult faith formation coordinators, when adults act like this, when they, when they see faith as just completely and only connected with those sacramental moments. And then we don't see the participation uh, and the rest of their lives with the faith. We cannot be defensive. And I think this is also fed into kind of a false narrative about adult faith formation. Um, you know, that, that adults are so um, secularized and they're so, uh, they don't, they don't care about their faith. And we come up with these, things that kind of put us on, put us on, um, on the offensive and they're on the defensive. And that's not going to help at all in ministry or sharing the gospel. Rather, I think we should celebrate truly when they do want to come back to have their wedding in a Catholic church or when they do want to have their child baptized, but you know, they're not practicing or regularly attending church because God can use those moments you know, those, those sacramental moments, as few as they are, we only have one baptism, we only have one confirmation in our lives, uh, and we hopefully only have one marriage. Um, but at any rate, we should celebrate that because sacraments are celebrations. Um, and what a time to do some great adult faith formation outside of those sacraments. So for example, at a, at a, ba a child's baptism, meeting with mom and or dad, however the family situation is, and talking to them about their own faith journey um, and not just saying, by the way, here's a bunch of adult faith programs we have here at St. Luke's or at St. Catherine's or whatever it is, but saying to them, you know, how's your uh, walk with God? Where is God in your life? Going back to that initial point I made that many good Catholics just for some reason or another keep faith uh, in a compartment or keep faith on the periphery of their life. They're, they're good people, but they don't see how making the faith central daily practice, daily devotion is somehow critical for them. So um, there's lots of opportunities uh, for us to engage, even in those uh, sacramental touch points. And that kind of leads me to my main point, which is just meeting adults where they are today. Similarly, uh, and this speaks more to adults that are in, uh, you know, parents, um, we, we get a lot of competition. We call it competition anyway, between faith and, 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 children's um, extracurricular activities, be it sports or whatever. And again, a lot of time uh, church uh, ministers will go on the offensive and, and sort of judge those parents and say, hey, you know, uh, you need to be at RE and da 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 And 
the reality is RE is critically important. It is critical. And especially in those sacramental prep years, um, we all should be in uh, being formed our entire lives, by the way. And I'll just say that as a dis- disclaimer so that it's out there and it's done with uh, to be a disciple, literally that Greek term, methetes, this idea of being under instruction is something that is ongoing. It's not just situational or episodic. So I, that that just needs to be said. But at any rate, if people aren't in that frame of mind to where they're seeing the importance of RE, uh, other than this is what we normally do at this age for this child to prepare them for a sacrament, um, we can't get upset. You know, we've, we're part of the problem that's created this system. <laughs> so I think what we need to do as ministers is try to, to walk with them where they are and try to say, okay, on Wednesday nights we have RE, but I see you also have uh, maybe it's practice or maybe you have games. Um, so here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to have kind of an alternative uh, schedule, but we're also going to give you some prayers that you can pray as you're going to practice as a family or if your parent drives you or whatever. Um, here's something you can pray after practice um, because we want to do what we can to help make that connection between faith and life. And in this family, family, this example family, you know, sports, extracurricular activities in their children's lives is very important. So we want to make the connection with faith, that faith can be there in that space, uh, in the form of prayer, uh, in the form of devotion, maybe doing a decade of the rosary and the drive on the way to baseball practice or whatever it is, and being intentional about connecting those prayers with what I'm about to do athletically. Um, and one of the greatest proponents of faith in sports was uh, St. Pope John Paul II. And um, himself, very much an athlete, and uh, uh, we and there's there's some wonderful homilies and audiences of his that you can check out um, about the connection between faith and sports. But but it's it's very Catholic to go into those quote unquote secular spaces and activities and bring the faith along, um, and to do it in ways that are visual, do it in ways that um, you know are vocal, like prayer visual, like, uh, you know, maybe you have a rosary or some kind of sacramental that you keep with you in your pocket or something and you use it or whatever. And then of course we have issues of, you know, in public schooling, which I was a product of public school for K through 12, um, you know, religion and, and state separation and what you can do on school campus and what you can't do and all of these things. And we just had a pretty, uh, um, interesting, uh, unprecedented Supreme Court ruling about what you can do on and off the football field uh, when it comes to prayer in a public school. But that aside, um, being sensitive to those to those boundaries, but also um, not being afraid, uh, being sensitive, understanding what you can and can't do, but being willing to, um, like I said, uh, on the way up to practice or afterwards or whatever the deal is to make sure your faith is a part of your activity. So meeting people where they are, what else is going on in adults' lives besides getting married, having kids and bringing them to RE? Because sometimes we get <laughs> as ministers sort of in a mind frame that that's, that's kind of makes up or constitutes the whole of the adult experience. Because those are the moments that we really focus in on. But adults all the time are going through challenges, some of them physical, uh, whether it's illness or injury. Um, adults have aspirations, they have particular needs, financial and otherwise. Um, there's also milestones, right? Birthdays or accomplishing something, um, you know, uh, or enduring something um, and coming out the other side. 
there's also just, you know, phases of life in adult living that bring with them different um, touch points that we can engage in as ministers, different events that occur. Uh, so we need to think about those as well. And um, one of the people that uh, has been doing this kind of work for decades and has become a national figure, excuse me, on adult faith formation is John, uh, John Roberto and his, um, his uh, Life Faith Associates organization. And I think if you go to life, uh, uh, lifelongfaithformation.com, uh, you can check out his website. And I'll link to that here on the episode too. But uh, he does a great job of, of kind of mapping out for us what are those touchstones with adults in their lives that we can be thinking about as ministers and not just restricting our purview to those sacramental encounters with adults. I want to switch now to kind of what I think are two essential ingredients. It might sound like a no-brainer, but um, I think it needs to be a brainer because I don't know how often or how well we do this. God's word and small group uh, sharing. I think those two components, making sure scripture is a part of every bio, uh, adult faith formation experience, as well as some kind of small group sharing, even if it's two people, you know, uh, as long as it's a small group. Um, and here's why. So obviously it's God's word and God's word speaks the truth of God to us. God's word guides us Um You know, the church is at the service of God's word, interpreting that word and relating that word to us so that we can experience the truth of that word and be freed by it. Because as Jesus says, the truth sets us free. So we have God's word. But do we, other than like actual Bible studies, how well do we incorporate God's word in our adult ministry uh, or ministry with adults? Do we take time to have prayers that include scripture verses? Do we take a theme that we're focusing on as in our adult faith formation experience? Maybe we're talking about mercy or something. And then we pull from scripture, um, stories, passages, proverbs, things that have to do with God's mercy or what happens when we're not merciful. Um, what's the outcome there? Do we, do we use scripture as a reference, um, which we should? And, and do, do we use it as a guide um, to help us make decisions? Um, particularly about uh, spiritual things and about adult growth. So I think scripture sometimes gets underutilized and confined to the Bible study experience. Um, It really needs to be something present in every form of adult faith formation, be it some service or charity work that we're doing. For example, you know, beginning that work with maybe a, a verse or a passage from scripture Maybe it's about building the house uh, with God and not, you know, building without uh, all the right materials or building the house on sand. And then the waters came and, and uh, flooded, uh, you know, and the house was destroyed or a house divided can't stand. Talking about the importance of unity among the workers and everyone who's going to be, uh, you know, in that house. So there, there's ways to use scripture for, for anything we're doing in adult faith formation. Um and I think it's important to also include moments where we use a scripture, maybe to set off an event or an activity and, and allow some silence afterwards to really allow that reading to set in. I know that we have different learners. Um, everyone's different. Some are more visual, some are more audio. It might be nice to have, you know, not just proclaim the scriptures verbally, but to make copies and have, let everyone have, a, you know, a copy of the passage or the verse in front of them so they can see it especially if we're going to allow a little bit of time to meditate on that 
even take some notes because um, God speaks to us in the moment and we want to capture what God says and we want to write things down. Um, or maybe you just want to use your, your audio memo function on your phone, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Um, at any rate, just to use scripture more intentionally throughout our adult faith formation and um, experiences. And then the other piece was small group sharing. I think adults, uh, and I think it's been proven, uh, adults learn best. Um, and I think this is also for kids. Uh, they, they learn best in groups um, when they can share and talk freely, when opinions are uh, welcomed and questions are welcomed and people are not judged for those questions, uh, even if they seem strange or bizarre. Um, where there's a spirit of welcome within a group uh, that it can be a very fruitful experience for everybody. So it's not just the structure of the group. It's also the tone or the mentality of the group. If there's an open-mindedness and a a spirit of welcome there, that can be a a group that really flourishes when it comes to adult faith formation. But the group structure I think is important because adults learn well in conversation. Um, We share our life experiences, um, which allows us to, to, do a very primary and, and, and sort of primal function, which is to, we want to be seen, we want to be heard and this group, or maybe it's just a pairing to people It allows for that. Um, so it satisfies that sort of deep human need um, to be seen and heard. Similarly, we're giving that gift to another person, you know, or other people in the group when we listen, pay attention, ask questions engage it really it's really a practice of dignity um to to sit in a group and and talk with one another and listen and build on what each other has to say um it really goes back to um the advocating for the dignity of human people of the human person and i also think that in small group sharing what you have uh, the possibility for that you wouldn't in isolation um like alone studying online or something um, and even online spaces today is almost all of them, you know, especially um, online schools um, go out of their way to try to create that online um, small group experience. So that being said, uh, the, the possibility for witnessing to one's faith, you know, is there in, in a group. Um, someone can share a story of faith uh, and, and other people can react to it. Or it might inspire other people to say, that sounds a lot like, you know, and then fill in the blank in their own autobiographical um, experience. So uh, witness is so key to forming adults, adults forming other adults. And I would say uh, if you, you know, a lot of times in parishes for adult faith formation, and I say this as somebody who does uh, parish missions from time to time or parish retreats or diocesan retreats for that matter, um, for diocesan leadership. Uh, sometimes, you know, you call in like a, a keynote speaker or a national uh, speaker author to come in and say some interesting things and that's all fine and good. But when it comes to inspiring, um, sort of the general population in your, in your church, um, having a peer stand up and say, you know, I used to come to mass just because I thought I, I should, uh, actually I would maybe, I was a little afraid of, uh, going to hell, um, that was really my main driver to show up. I was, I was afraid. I was afraid of God, afraid of what might happen if I didn't come to Mass. But because of, and then you, you fill in the, the, this blank here with your experience of faith or your encounter with Christ, because of that encounter, I now come to Mass because I want to. 
I come to Mass because I experience Christ there in a way that's very affirming, uh, in a way that's very healing, in a way that um, is almost transcendent for me. And uh, that's why I come now. And to have somebody, you know, say that who is just supposed to be part of the quote unquote crowd, um, it has a huge effect. And to encourage people in your, in your church to share their witness is one of the best things we can do in adult faith formation to make it very meaningful for the rest of the congregation, because it's kind of like the proof in the pudding. It's one thing if father or the deacon stands up there and talks about an encounter with Christ. It's another thing if, you know, any, somebody that you've never even heard of uh, who's kind of been just, again, sort of in the congregation and sort of anonymous, all of a sudden uh, says these incredible things. And it doesn't have to be these huge conversion stories like St. Paul on the road to Damascus, but just how the faith has become meaningful for you. Because a lot of times making adult faith formation meaningful, which is the topic of this show, is to speak the language of life that other people understand, you know, to speak in experiences that other people have had, um, to use the words that mean a lot to them and really get at what that experience has been for them. Um, and that's maybe a, another point I should have made, and I'll just make it right now very briefly, is just part of the messaging appropriately for adult faith formation is really using the language that adults use. So even saying, come to a meaningful adult faith formation experience at St. Luke's, that's probably not going to get too many people. Um, no matter how many times we post it on Facebook or <laughs> whatever, the parish website. But uh, who? what does that even mean for people? Adult faith formation, meaningful, that's another subjective term. Um, but if we say something like, you know, uh, are you busy, stressed out, come to, uh, you know, our meeting tonight at St. Luke's, which is talking about all about how God gives us rest, how God wants us to rest in him. You know, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures together. We're going to share uh, freely, and uh, it'll be a time just for you to just press the pause button on your busy life and come and receive God's word. I mean, that is probably going to get a few more people than come to an adult faith formation experience, you know? So, messaging, the language uh, we use when we message is critical. Finally, intergenerational catechesis. Um, th this bridges the, or makes the connections, not a gap, but makes the connection between adult faith formation and family catechesis. Because I really do believe that in order to have family catechesis, you have to have adults that are evangelized. Uh, and are catechized. So what's the distinction there? Evangelization is helping to facilitate that encounter with Christ that uh, inspires the uh, conviction of faith, right? Um, or deepens that conviction, that initial yes to God, which we have a lot of people going through the motions uh, and, and meeting the demands of the faith, but they haven't really had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ that makes them say, I believe in him because I've seen him do this in my life, or because he has said this to me, or whatever it is. Um, I have followed him, I have met him, and I want to keep following him. Catechesis is, technically speaking, that the you know systematic presentation of the mysteries of the faith. And if you don't have the faith, it's hard to present systematically about those mysteries. So I do really think that while evangelization catechesis can go hand in hand, that there has to be some kind of initial sequencing or emphasis on the encounter with Christ, uh, 
99% of the time, which is facilitated through prayer, through God's word, through liturgical action, uh, and through fellowship, certainly it can happen. Um, but, but those components, especially prayer, almost 99% of the time uh, is, is what facilitates that encounter. Um, but in adult generation, in an intergenerational catechesis, uh, we have to have parents that are evangelized, adults that are evangelized, because when they come together for these catechetical evenings or days at the parish, which is often the case in, in this kind of a model, um, you know, what we want them to, to experience God. We want them to then also witness about their experience, especially to their children and to other adults. So on an adult generation, I keep saying adult generation, intergenerational catechesis model, a lot of times they'll separate the children and the adults into different rooms or whatever, and, and they'll have similar sort of presentations on a theme, but of course they're adapted for age, um, you know, they're age appropriate. You get that faith sharing that you want among adults and, and among kids. But then to go back home to make sure it grows legs, you want those adults to also be able to connect with those kids uh, to help catechize those kids. A lot of times adults, you know, parents don't feel comfortable um, talking to kids about their faith. They're worried about saying something wrong or leading children down the wrong path. Or, you know, I'm not a theologian, so I, I can't, I don't want, I get, I stay away from the subject of faith with my child. Oh, every time I hear that, I just, you know, it, um, it pains me. Because God has put you as in charge as the parent um, to be that light, to be that beacon of faith for your child. And if you don't feel equipped, uh, guess what? Most of the ordained <laughs> don't feel equipped at time too. At times, uh, this is God's work. And that's something that makes all of us feel a little bit better and takes the pressure off of us. Evangelization is first and foremost, God's work. And God uses us as his instruments to, to accomplish that work. We need not be theologians. Uh, we need not be uh, saints, although we're striving for that, uh, to offer our own witness and to catechize. We just need to be intentional, and we just need to want to, ha to have that desire to be uh, an evangelist in our home, a catechist in our home. And there's little ways that we can do that, right? We can do that through incorporating more prayer throughout our day in the home, again, connecting it to our extracurricular activities. Um, we can make room for faith conversation on a regular basis, whether it's daily or weekly. Maybe it's the Sunday readings. You know, we go to mass together or, or on Saturday for dinner uh, at the table, we read the gospel and then we have a talk about it. Um, now, if you have small children like I do, there are Bibles for children. Um, you can find gospel accounts written for children. Uh, with pictures and things that keep them engaged. There's just different sort of ways that we can get the message out to each member of the family. But the, 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 the starting point is the desire to want to do that. And if you don't have that desire, you have, this is going to sound silly, but you have to pray for the desire to desire it. All right, let me say that again. You have to pray for the desire to desire it. If you don't already have the desire to incorporate the faith more in your family's life. So there's our talking points for the day, We're talking about providing meaningful adult faith formation, trying to meet adults where they are, really understanding the landscape that adults live in, looking beyond those privileged sacramental encounters, 
We also talked about the two important ingredients in adult faith uh, formation, which is God's word and small group sharing, the witness that comes along with it, and that God's word leads us to truth and ultimately to freedom. And finally, the intergenerational catechetical model. Um, and a lot of places where that's working, by the way, and I should have said this uh, just a moment ago, but where it's working, um, and some parishes do just execute that model only and are having some success, but more often parishes use this model in conjunction with uh, regular or traditional religious education, classroom education, <clears throat> or some other kind of model, perhaps a liturgical model where the catechesis uh, pairs with the liturgical readings for the Sunday. So it, you just have to figure out what works best in your parish. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing, an either or. We're, we're fond of saying in the Catholic tradition, both and. And uh, I think that's a safe uh, response, not only in the face of difficult questions about the mysteries of the faith, but also just understanding the diversity of our congregation and the diversity of the needs. So that's our uh, chatechesis for the day. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallbeck. It's been wonderful chatting with you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.